What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic channel. As always, I'm Adam Best. Joined by the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. What's going on, Mr. Holmes? Allergies. That's what's going on. My goodness, this is brutal. But we're here. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, talking a lot of things, Chiefs. I have my men's basketball playoff game tonight. Big day for your boy. Got to show up like Jimmy Butler. Yeah, not like uh, Tatum. I guess he sprained his ankle, though, so... Yeah, don't don't put it on me. Don't 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 put it. If I sprint an ankle, I'm out, dude. I I am not staying in the game. I'm I'm driving my ass home, laying on the couch, for you. drinking beer and watching sports. So uh, let, let, let's hope I don't roll an ankle. You're gonna come up clutch. I got a feeling, like Kadarius Tony returning punts in the Super Bowl. Mm, there we go. Should we get to it? Let's do it. Mix it up a little bit. All right. Well, before we get started, some of you are listening to this over on our podcast feed. So be sure to come over to YouTube and subscribe because there's original content that you can only get on here and TikTok if you want our shorts. There's a lot of content that you're missing out if you're only listening to this. And it really helps the business, every subscriber we get, every like we get. So please continue to support us over on the YouTube channel. With that said, let's move into a new segment. We're calling this Washed Watch. And I'm sure we're gonna do it with with more veterans But we're going to start with DeAndre Hopkins, the kind of topic of the hour. And Sterling and I had a great conversation on the radio the other day about some of the advanced statistics, uh, trying to figure out just how good DeAndre Hopkins still is. Is he still the player he was three or four years ago? Yeah. And I I think if we dig into those numbers and kind of hash this out, we can get a pretty big, uh, pretty good feel for where he's at. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So some of the numbers that we have for DeAndre Hopkins over the past 10 seasons, only Julio Jones has more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, That on the surface sounds great. Before we give our opinions on this, let's just run through some numbers, okay? Uh, We'll talk about whether we think that's past performance, whether they think that's indicative of him falling off, or think of, hey, maybe DeAndre Hopkins still has a lot to give We will talk about that, but first we want to go through an unbiased viewpoint here, and that is through the stats. First, it's important to point out that Hopkins had 176 more targets than any other player during the past decade, so volume has been his game. All right, best, you get into yards per route run. Yeah, that's kind of my pet stat because it really gets to the efficiency of the wide receiver position, what they do with the opportunities they are given. And so uh, yards per route run the last three years as a Cardinal, Deandre Hopkins was at 2.0. The previous three years as a Texan, he was at 2.3. Now that might sound like an insignificant difference, but there's a pretty decent difference there in Houston. He was a top 10 receiver. According to the stat in Arizona, he was more like top 20. Mm. 
I also want to look at some stats from friend of the show, Matt Harmon of Reception Perception. Uh, if there's anyone who's going to get to the bottom of where whether DeAndre Hopkins still has or not, it's probably him. So D-Hop still separates versus man in press coverage, but there has been some fall off. Not to the point where you should be concerned, but you just shouldn't expect top five get open at will DeAndre Hopkins. Where he continues to be lethal is on short to intermediate routes. Curls, digs, comebacks, slants, th- those type of things. But he has lost some juice on deep routes. Where he's really incredible, and I think the best player in the league at this particular skill set, is his catch rate, those 50-50 balls. He had an 80% catch rate on 50-50 balls in 2022. That wasn't a fluke. He cleared 70% on contested catches each of the previous five seasons. So he's really been the best ball winner, I think, in football for a lot of his tenure in the league. Uh, and, and health. Sterling, you made some good points on this, right? About his durability. Is it starting to wane a little bit? So during his first eight seasons, Hopkins averaged 15.75 games a year. The last two seasons, however, that number was down to 9.5 Sterling, do you think this is a significant problem? Yeah, I do. I mean, if you're looking at it, I don't care. People kept pointing to me, well, six games for a suspension. That's still him missing games. That doesn't all of a sudden make the number better. Yeah, it's not an injury, but getting popped for peds is not good. Not ideal. Not also, something you want to see. Was he taking the PEDs to come back from an injury, to prevent an injury? I think that is an injury-related suspension. So for me, this is concerning. I I always go back to A.J. Green and Julio Jones. I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins is washed. I'm not saying he's not still a guy who can be valuable for the Chiefs. I'm not saying he's not still a good wide receiver. I just don't think he's a top five guy anymore. I don't know if he's top ten anymore. Uh, He's probably more in that mid to back end wide receiver one. Uh, I will say this, he still averaged about 80 yards per game last year when healthy. That's outstanding considering who was throwing him the rock. I mean, it wasn't Mahomes throwing him the ball. It wasn't um, even Kyler Murray throwing him the ball. It was just a plethora of dudes and he was still finding ways to to make an impact. Again, I think there's still something there and I don't have an issue of paying DeAndre Hopkins for one more year. A one year contract, sign you boy up. You yeah. t- start talking about a two-year deal, a three-year deal. That makes me very, very nervous. Again, look at A.J. Green. Look at Julio Jones. Look at what happened when they started the falloff. There was a cliff, okay? One injury turned into another. One bad year turned into another one. It snowballed. They were never able to bounce back. And I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins is there. Again, the 80 yards per game is great. But if you want to look up, I think it was Julio Jones. He played nine games, one of his last very good years in the NFL. Averaged 85 yards per game. What happened after that? Fell off a cliff. Yeah, and it's a cautionary tale because the Titans thought he was still that dude. They sent a second to the Falcons. Now, we're not going to have to surrender that kind of capital if we do bring in uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But nonetheless, it is a cautionary tale. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Thomas, some other examples of aging receivers who uh, suffered a lot of lower body injuries and were never the same. I- I'm going to go ahead and say that Michael Thomas is done. I don't care what anybody says. He hasn't been on the field for, for what, two years, really, uh, except in spurts. So, yeah, e- Evan Miller made a good point that there's this, this um, qu- anonymous quote from a general manager going around that, Basically, Hopkins is shot, he can't run anymore, and that he's done. So, I don't know. It's one person's opinion. When did that happen? Because, again, he still put up some decent numbers last year. That's him when he can't run. That means he's still going to age gracefully into the NFL or into his waning years in the NFL. Well, I wonder if that's a, a Bills or a Chiefs anonymous NFL exec trying to take that market down. There's always games of chess going yeah, on in the you, NFL. You never know. And the thing about Hopkins is he's a little different than Julio Jones because he's never been an A-plus athlete. That's just not his game. He's been uh, a ball winner, a route-running technician. He, uh, he's a very very nuanced wide receiver 
who is just as tough as, as they get. Uh, you think back to that play, he had the, the, the Hale Murray where he went up in the end zone with three bills and yanked the ball down to win the game. And that, that's the kind of guy you're getting. Uh, I'm with you. You made a great point on Twitter uh, last week that one year, sign me up, probably not long-term collateral damage. But if we get into a multi-year contract, I don't want this to keep us from, from having a legere sneed back or something like that, right? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, I think Evan brings up another good point on uh, in the comments right here. says, we'll be shocked by the contract he gets, which won't be from the Chiefs. OBJ got paid, and then Adam Thielen got paid and also got multiple years Adam Thielen is going to be 33 in August, so the start of the season. Adam Thielen has averaged playing 15 games over the past three years, has averaged 10 touchdowns over the past three years, although he's come back to earth. He's gone 14, 10, and then 6. But the numbers for Thielen has still been there, and the availability for Thielen has still been there as he played in all 17 games last year. But I do think if you take those two guys as a jumping-off point, no one thinks Thielen or OBJ is better or more consistent than DeAndre Hopkins. No one is going to say that. DeAndre um, Odell Beckham Jr. got 15 mil base, up to 18 with that 3 million incentives. If that's me and I'm DeAndre Hopkins' agent, I don't know how he gets less than that. I don't. Either the agent bleeped up big time or there's something that we do not know. Because there is no way a guy who has been perpetually injured with less statistics than DeAndre relatively same age, gets that much more than than DeAndre Hopkins. Adam Thielen, there's no way Adam Thielen gets that much more security at his age being a perpetual wide receiver two in a red zone threat. I don't see it. DeAndre Hopkins, if he does not get a combination of those two dudes' contracts, that agent is either horrible or, again, there is something we do not know. A few thoughts here. First of all, you mentioned the name Adam Thielen. And he was one of only two wide receivers over the age of 31 that had 500 or more yards last year receiving. So that's kind of scary when you think about Hopkins is about to turn 31. The other thing is this Odell contract has made a huge mess of things. And I think the only reason he got what he, what he asked for that, that what is it? 15 uh, can be as big as 18, something like that. I think the only reason that happened is the Ravens, were uncharacteristically desperate and needed to do something to bring back their franchise quarterback. That was an olive branch, a panic move, an olive branch to Lamar Jackson. And uh, on one hand, I don't think other teams are going to let that set the market. You know, there's a lot of, whenever there's a bad contract, Deshaun Watson, Christian Kirk, there's a lot of pushback. So the, and and then the last thing I want to say is that, Culturally, DeAndre Hopkins has kind of flamed out of two franchises. He, he's not really the guy you want, want around when a team is losing. We've, heard, we've all heard the stories 
I, I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but I do think it is a factor. Well, this team wouldn't be losing by any in, any stretch of the imagination. But I will uh, again point out: I understand the OBJ contract. I understand what you're saying. That's probably a little bit high. But again, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, he's been about his money. He still says, "Yeah, I'm about that money." Right? I don't think he's all of a sudden going to change. I mean, the Chiefs uh, supposedly Dude. offered. Hey. I get it. He's made not over you. 112 million I, yes, in his, in his yes. career, dude. Yes. I get I'm it. Screaming at him, not you. I get it, man. But it's money. He's going to try and take it. That's what he's done. That's what he's been about. I, I whoever offers him the most money, I'm assuming that is where he's go. He's going. That's where he's done before. That's what he's done. And that's what he said. Yeah. No. No offense, man. But the the quote "youth is wasted on the young." I think it is accurate. I'm in my 40s now, and there are more important things than money. Living comfortably is very important, but man, DeAndre Hopkins has a chance at immortality, at Canton, at being in the Hall of Fame. He'll still be in the Hall of Fame, dude. Nah, I don't know. DeAndre Hopkins is a lock for the Hall of Fame if he retired right now. I don't know. What you're going to see happen with receivers, this is a passing league now. Numbers are coming up. So... I think Mike Evans is going to feel a little bit better about you know how he padded his credentials by getting that one ring. I think a ring is very important to for whether quarterback. You get I think it's way less. I think it's way less for a um, wide receiver. I, I'm just saying, man, what he has done, um, it's it's phenomenal. I still think he's going to play a few more years yet. Maybe I, I, I jumped the the gun saying a lock if he retired right now. But he's going to play three more years easy. He's going to put up how many more yards? He's going to be top 30 all time in receiving yards and all these statistics when he's done. Man, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins, even without a ring, is going to make a make the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think a championship ring for a wide receiver is going to move the needle that much. I don't know. I think, I think voters, I wish they were more analytical, but I think a lot of times it's more about the brand. How how do you remember this person? What is the legacy? What is the story? Would you say, and this is what I go by, this is why I, I, I appreciate Frank Gore. I think Frank Gore deserves to be in, but I think Jamal Charles, in my case, and take the Chiefs stuff out of this. Take, take my phantom out. Frank Gore was never considered the best running back for any sort of stretch. He was not a top three running back in any part of his career. Jamal Charles was basically the entire time he was in the NFL. That to me means more, right? What is your peak and can you do it for a while? DeAndre Hopkins was a top three, if not the best wide receiver for how long? Six, seven years? I mean, that's a long peak. That's a long peak. Right. I I think I wouldn't probably put him that high when you look at efficiency because I think he got there on volume, but he's no question been top six, top eight, top 10 for a decade. Uh, And I agree with you. It is not the hall of longevity. It is the hall of fame. It is about greatness. It is about were you one of the top players in your position for a decent stretch of time. So I'm with you. I I think Jamal Charles deserves to be in over Frank Gore, but I'm not sure the hall of fame voters see it that way. I guess we'll find out. Um, I don't know. I think DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to chase the bag. I imagine he'll end up in somewhere like Carolina, Carolina, where he'll be. Carolina. Uh, Carolina. I like that. You got, you got that hat on that shirt. You got a nice little draw on you, best. I know. Carolina, Carolina. yeah. I, but don't you kind of think he's going to go to the highest bidder? There's going to be some team out there. And the reason I mentioned Carolina is you have Bryce Young. You have a lot of cap room. You want to make sure your your rookie uh, quarterback doesn't get David, uh, David Card, right? put in a terrible situation that they never recover from. You do not want to see that. You also want to know if they're the guy as quickly as you can. Insert DeAndre Hopkins, reliable target. I don't know. I just think some team like that is going to throw a lot of money at him. And and also, we talked about this the other day. Could we use another edge rusher more than another receiver? Because the defense does not have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have... I love the job Steve Spagnolo does play calling, especially late in seasons, but they do not have Andy Reid. 
So do we I, need that? Do we need that more than another receiver? Uh, for for the first half of the season, yes. <laughs> because it takes about half the year for rookie edge rushers to make an impact. George Karloff, just Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, you look around the NFL, rookie edges typically take about half the year before they really get their legs and start winning. Uh, I expect the same thing from FAU. Don't think it's going to be any different. And I will also point out, it remains to be seen if Charles Aminahu is going to miss any games, how many games, start of the year. If that's the case, the beginning of the season, the first four to eight games might be a little light at edge. Once the season progresses, I'm fine. Let FAU start going out there and uh, uh, taking some QBs down. But early in the year makes me at least a little bit nervous. Before we get to the next segment that I'm very excited about, uh, I want to give everyone a chance to go to DraftKings. Help us out. Help your wallets out if you're good at betting and go to DraftKings. Use promo code Arrowhead. Bet $5 on any sport. Get 200 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. NBA Finals. First game starts tomorrow. What better way to boost your wallet? Boost the weekend by winning some money. So go to DraftKings. Use code Arrowhead for that bet $5 on any sport. Get 200 bucks back in bonus bets instantly win or lose. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. So this new segment is Veach's greatest draft hits. We're going to collectively decide Brett Veach's five best draft picks based on value. Now, we're not going to consider Patrick Mahomes his pick. I think everybody knows it's his pick, but he wasn't officially GM until after that draft when when Dorsey got fired. So we're going to start from the 2018 draft all the way up to the one that just happened, which, you know, some of this is, is speculation about players, what players will be. I guess let's start at one and go up to five. Do you have strong feelings about number one? No, let's start with let's start with all five and then we'll sort them out. How about we'll, that? Because we'll, yeah, well, because yeah, yeah. let's let's start with all five and sort them out. I like Balloon Raccoon. This offseason dragon, huh? You bet your ass is dragging, pal. But soon, very soon, we'll have more. I mean, we, we're in OTAs now. A hundred, what's it? Ninety-nine days till we actually have legitimate football. Right, which means the Chiefs. Uh, because they're the first game played. So 99 days to real football, 99 days to hear us talk, complain, love, hate, and then the games matter. So stick with us. Have fun. We have all summer long. Get sunburned outside. Don't get sunburned. Please put on sunscreen. I don't want that responsibility on my head. I will feel awful. So stick with us, though. All right, 2018. Let's just go through the draft and, and just talk about how bad this draft was. Breland Speaks, Derek Nadi, Dorian O'Daniel, Armani Watts, Traymond Smith, Khalil McKenzie. Yikes. Mm, mm. It's one <laughs> of the worst drafts I've ever heard. I mean, think about this. Brett Veach at this point is known as one of the best, if not the best GM in football, right? Yeah. After 2018, looking back, you'd probably say, wow, that might have been the worst draft of any team, of any team in 2018. Yeah, it, it certainly took him uh, some time to find his groove. I mean, that was a future draft. Just you look back at it and you and you think, what were they doing? How did they, how did they miss just on every single occasion, basically? So let's get into 2019. Uh, Nick Allegretti, Darwin Thompson, Rashad Fenton, Colin Saunders, Juan Thornhill, McCole Hardman. Any of these in 2019 you think deserve to make the top five or at least in the discussion of top five? I do not. I don't. Okay. So, you know, I'm not Juan Thornhill's biggest fan, so maybe other people would, but this is top five. I will say you look back at his first two years, not great, but I will also point out he got a lot of solid contributors in that draft, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't necessarily hit a home run on any of them. But there were a lot of contributors. Hell, Nick Allegretti, seventh rounder sticking around, right? Rashad Fenton, sixth rounder. He was playing his rookie year in a Super Bowl, and he was lined up getting snaps. I mean, say what you will. Colin Saunders getting snaps. McCall Hardman getting snaps. Juan Thornell as a starter. So, yeah, that draft, you look back and say, wow, he really didn't hit anything great. But he had a lot of singles. You look at that. That's a lot of singles. Um Especially serviceable when you consider that he completely flopped the year before. 
So what you're seeing is a pattern of Veach growing, getting better with each draft class. And you, you like to see that. You like that he's, he learns how to get better at his job every single year. I think there's other indicators of that outside the draft, but I think that's the pattern we're going to see here. Yeah, very good run for role players. Now let's get into uh, the 2020 NFL draft for the Chiefs. Seventh round, Bo Pete Keys. Fifth round, Mike Dana. Fourth round, Legereus Sneed. Third round, Lucas Niang. Second round, Willie Gay. First round, I screamed at my TV and almost broke it. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. All right. So <laughs> this one, a little bit more of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, Clyde, not great. Willie Gay Jr. and Lucas Niang, quite frankly, both have been immensely talented, but both have been, I think, disappointments. Uh, yeah. Lucas Niang more so, more so because of injury. But Willie Gay Jr., I mean, you look back at what he's done so far, we're still talking about potential, right? We are still here four years later talking about potential some or three years going into his fourth year at some point it actually has to translate. Uh, but Legereus need, obviously we're putting in the top five, correct? Easy decision. No pushback here. One name I want to bring up and we'll talk about it. I, I think Mike Dana might get his name called as either an honorable mention or at the fifth spot. We'll talk about it more but I'm going to leave him at least on your radar. Cause I think Mike Dana, where he was drafted, if that matters to you, and we're going to use that as a contributor, Mike Dana in the fifth round, I think he's been over Willie Gay Jr. He's been over Clyde. He's been over one oh, man. Is he over one Thornhill and McCall Hardman though? I think so. Because I, I think has he exceeded expectations for a fifth rounder? The answer is yes. Did Juan Thornhill or McCall Hardman, exceed expectations for, for a much loftier uh, draft position. No, they did not. So I think that's what we have to consider here. Uh, Mike Dana is just a terrific fifth year. I mean, fifth round pick. And it, and at the time people thought it was a reach, but he's turned out and I, I was one of them because on paper uh, he doesn't pop at all, but they saw something with him. He, he plays his guts out. Smart player. He's been just a hell of a find for Brett Veach. And I think he's in contention for this list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was one that didn't like to pick, but Mike Dan is the guy who's got me more sold on give me a guy with floor. Give me a guy who I know can get something done and stop talking to me nonstop about potential. Josh McCando, Malik Herring, uh, Tano Passino to an extent. Stop it. Stop it. None of those guys did anything. Give me Mike Dana. Give me a guy who you know has somewhat of a floor. Uh, let's get into the 2021 draft for the Kansas City Chief, uh, Chiefs. Uh, let's get into it right here. They drafted in the sixth round, Trey Smith. Fifth round, Cornell Powell. Fifth round, Noah Gray. Fourth round, Joshua Cando. Second round, Creed Humphrey. Second round, Nick Bolton. Now we're talking. Yep. Now we're cooking with gas. I think you've got three that are in strong contention for the, for this uh, top five. Trey Smith in the sixth round is just absurd. I mean, that is rare, rare value. You only get value like that when there was some kind of issue coming into the draft, like Tyreek Hill's off the field history or the, the health concerns with Trey Smith. Um, got to put him in there. And then I think we have to look at both Bolton and Creed, but especially Creed, because Creed Humphrey, if he's not the best player at his position in the entire league, he's number two behind only Jason Kelsey. And I think he's, we're entering an era where he is going to be the guy at the center position in the entire league. So even though he was picked in the second round, I would say he's exceeded uh, expectations from day one. He's been, you know, an all pro level player from the first time he stepped into a game in the NFL. So that's impressive to me. So all three of those picks have a shot. Yeah. Uh, I will also point out, we were not doing this current year's draft because we have no idea what dudes are going to be. Um, it's unfair to throw FAU, for example, into the equation here because we've not seen dude play a snap. 
there wasn't necessarily a draft value pick in 2023 that really stood out. Uh, like, let's just say last year, Trent McDuffie, I think, was more of a value pick as he was falling. No one expected McDuffie to fall to where he did in that draft. You can make the case that there was the value there, uh, at least according to the consensus big boards. Uh, I don't want to use 2023 because, hell, again, we don't know. So let's look at 2022. Nazi Johnson, Pacheco, Jalen Watson, all in the seventh. Uh, fifth round, Darian Kennard. Fourth round, Joshua Williams. Third round, Leo Chennault. Second round, Brian Cook and Sky Moore. First round, Carl Loftus and McDuffie. All right, what do you think here? Well, one thing I'm also considering heavily here is positional value. So for me, someone like Jalen Watson, because he plays cornerback, gets a huge spike. Uh, and, and I'm going to prefer that over a pick like Isaiah Pacheco. Great pick, fantastic player, fan favorite, but let's not kid ourselves. He doesn't play as important of a position as uh, Jalen Watson does, even if he is a, probably a better player at his position. That's fair. I, I'm thinking the same thing too, because for me, I have Pacheco on the outside looking in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, from this draft, I think the names you can make a case for Watson and Williams. I think Joshua Williams in the fourth was actually a very valuable pick. I think they're kind of both in my eyes and the outside looking in, though. I don't have either in my top five. Uh, the other guy I look at, uh, McDuffie and Carl Loftus in this draft. Those are the two other guys I look at in this draft. But what, I, what have you noticed? As the drafts have gone on, he's kind of finding more and more impact players, right? Outside of Legereus Sneed early, you know, he, he found, you know, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton. But then he started finding George Karloftis, Trent McDuffie. It seems like he's starting to find more and more impact players. As the drafts have progressed, he's gotten better. And I would even say Sky Moore if he continues to develop because, you know, some, some draft sites had him uh, in the first round. You know, that's where they rated his stock. Uh, but he hasn't materialized fully as that level of a player so, man, for me, uh, I think the most impressive picks in my eyes are either Trey Smith in the sixth or LeJarrius Sneed in the fourth. And then uh, Jalen Watson has got to be up there. Creed Humphrey's got to be up there. And then there's probably a discussion for five. Let's listen to this. Okay, because we're going to agree on a few of these. One, we're going to say Legereus Sneed. Can we Ooh, agree are we, there? Are, are we? You better. I think Trey <laughs> Smith is pretty close. I'm fine going with Le- Le- Legereus Sneed. You can't talk all about positional value. Don't want to hear it. You can't talk about positional value and then put a guard one. Come on. I mean, guards Best, are where's the consistency? Guards are way more important than running back. I mean, I'm talking like running backs, linebackers, positions like that. I'm not talking about guard when you're protecting a half a billy quarterback. I'll uh, I'll give Legarius Sneed. I'll give Legarius Sneed. You're not going to do this to me. Okay. You're not going to talk about positional value and throw with a guard at number 1. And by the way, I'm with you. Also, so, he, he, him in the 6th round good. is great. But yeah, the, there's the a thing I will really quickly I'll say on on Trey Smith too. There was no question about his talent. It came down to his medicals. Not very many teams cleared Trey Smith. I don't know if it was only the Chiefs that cleared Trey Smith. So I, I want to throw that caveat out there. Obviously, give Brett Veach a ton of credit, but it also came down to medicals. That's why he fell. We knew the talent was there. It was a little bit like Tyreek Hill, right? There was the off the yeah. field. Different, different, obviously, right? Because Trey Smith had no off the field issues. That's not what the equation was here. It was it was strictly health. So just want to throw that out there. But the delta between where they should have been picked and where, where they were ultimately picked was significant because based on play alone, you can make a, a strong case for Trey Smith being a second rounder. And he slipped sure. all the way to the sixth. Sure. So great value there. Uh, Jerry Sneed, you might say he's the best or in the argument for the best slot corner in the league, one of the more versatile secondary uh, players in the league. So I'm fine with him being one based on positional value, but I do think there's a case for Trey Smith. You know what? I'll do it. We'll do it this way. You give me your top five. 
Because you and I are actually going to disagree, I think, a lot more than uh, than we think. Okay. Trey Smith, one. LeJarius Sneed, two. Jalen Watson, three. Creed Humphrey, four. Oh, five. Man, five is tough. I'm going to go Mike Dana. Nick Bolton was considered, but, I mean, he was a second-round pick. So you really have to be at Creed's level to be considered for this list in my eyes. Yeah, we disagree a lot here. Uh, so for me, my number one is Legereus Sneed, uh, fourth rounder, uh, premium position. Uh, if he is traded, he's going to get bank by a team. Legereus Sneed is one of the best chess pieces in the NFL. Um, I'm all in on Legereus Sneed being the best draft pick by Brett Veach. Uh, number two, Creed, Creed Humphrey. Um, at the time, I was I was fine uh, with the pick because I go, okay, He's going to be a good center in the NFL. I thought he might have the potential of being a top five guy, but I remember even writing an article going, I don't know if he's ever going to be an all pro, but he's going to be very, very good for a long time here in Kansas city. Well, I was kind of right. He's going to be good for a long time here in Kansas city, but he's at an all pro level. Uh, Creed Humphrey is again, the best or second best center in the NFL. Again, pretty high pick for a center second round, but when you hit it like this, you nailed it. Creed Humphrey, number two. Uh, number three, it's not because I'm a Mizzou guy, but Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton, something had to happen at linebacker. That was the slowest, worst position group for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was horrible. It was brutal. I liked Anthony Hitchens more than almost anyone else, and even I will say it was time for something new. But they needed someone who was smart. They needed someone who could come in week one, game one, and frankly pick it up quickly just in case. Nick Bolton was that guy. Nick Bolton is a green dot. He is smart. He is intelligent. He's not the most athletic, but they couldn't afford to draft the the highest upside guy at linebacker. They needed somebody who can come in and make an impact. He was that guy. Nick Bolton is one of the best run stuffers in the NFL. I understand the tackle numbers, the analytics. They don't always go eye to eye when it comes to Nick Bolton, but he's improved year after year. Nick Bolton for me is number three. Number four, Trey Smith. I'm going Trey Smith at number four. Uh, Trey Smith, all the reasons you gave, uh, six-rounder. Um, you, you've kind of heard my take on this already, so I don't want to get into the weeds too much on it. But again, guard, in my opinion, drops him down because of the sixth round. If we're going positional value, there's your uh, positional value. And then fifth came down to Karloftis and McDuffie. McDuffie had the pedigree. McDuffie has all the things I like, the makings of a CB1, a lockdown CB1. The issue is we've not seen it with any sort of consistency yet. We haven't because of the injury. Not completely his fault, but it's the truth. So for that reason, I'm going with George Karloff, just the reason being as well. He was my guy I wanted the Chiefs to draft in the end of that first round. That's a guy I was saying, please, Brett Veach, please bring him home. Again, same thing. They needed someone who could be a game one, day one starter. He was. They didn't have to go for a high upside guy because they couldn't. They needed someone to get some snaps and some snaps early. Karloftis was that guy. And guess what we saw him do? We saw him put up huge numbers as the season progressed. Huge numbers for a rookie, I might add. That ex- I expect him to be a double-digit sack guy easily this year. Easily. Put him down for 10-plus. Lock it. That's Sterling's lock. Okay, best? You take it to the bank. And if I'm wrong, well, I'm wrong. Hopefully no one remembers this. But that's my list. Karloff is five, uh, Smith four, Bolton three, Creed two, Sneed one. Okay, the big difference between our list is I put much more stock into hitting on late round picks. That's obvious. Uh, You know, for me, if you're a first round pick, I need you to be a superstar, to be a value. You can be an acceptable pick if you're just good. But for me to put you on this list, you would have to be a superstar. And, and Karloff is, is not that. He doesn't look like he's going to be that. I'm not no. trying to, to, to like... Was Tom Bahali a superstar? What's that? Was Tom Bahali a superstar? No. No, he wasn't. He's a great pick, though. You know why? He lasted a long time. He, he has a high floor. Those guys you have to have on your team. Those guys open it up for everyone else. Loftus, in my opinion, again, he's probably not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a damn good player for a long, long time. If last year was any indication, this is going to be a consistent 8-12 to sack guy year in and year out. 
Well, we'll see. With Tom Bahali, we knew that he he basically played, what, a, a decade? For Karloftis, there's a lot of time before we can say this guy had, you know, a great Chiefs career. He was worth where we selected him. My other big issue with your list, we're talking about positional value. You're you're hammering me for picking a guard, but I would say middle linebacker, less important in today's NFL, especially for this team when the offensive line protects Patrick Mahomes. So that was probably my biggest gripe. Uh, in the second round, Creed Humphrey is a star. He is the best at what he does or one of the two best. Nick Bolton is not there yet, in my opinion. I'm not, I don't want to under, uh, underestimate the importance of the green dot, the leadership, kind of replacing Anthony Hitchens, but didn't make my list. I love this middle linebacker is unimportant until you have an, uh, an aging Anthony Hitchens. That's great. Uh, also KL three sixty eight. There's not 32 superstars in every draft. High end players matter. I'm with you, man. That's why I like Carl Loftus as a high end player. You're not going to have a superstar at every single uh, position, especially when you're drafting at uh, the back end of the draft year in and year out. I will also say, I don't know how you went with Jalen Watson, because he's, he's, seventh a seventh round, fine, round, he's a seventh round corner that's that's picking off Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs. Him I, I don't just know if he's better decent. than Joshua Williams. Huh? I don't know if he's better than Joshua Williams. If you're just going on a like draft capital, I'd be in a seventh, seventh compared to a fourth and fine. I am but going I, on that. I think I think he probably is better than Joshua Williams. They're they're at least neck and neck. And he was picked three three rounds later. You should not be able to find a rookie corner in the seventh round who's good enough to start. For a winning Super Bowl team, that is absurd. But, but they have, That's absurd. They have though, because Rashad Fenton a couple of years before for the same case, you can make the same case there for him. He's, He's better than rounder. Rashad Fenton. Come on, man. Sure, but Rashad Fenton was valuable in that Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to disagree. I think Watson is going to be better than Fenton. My point is, they've shown an affinity for this time in and time out. Chavarius uh, Ward was undrafted. They traded him for uh, um, the dude that went to Dallas. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I am too. That's uh, how good of a trade it, it, it was. We don't even remember who he was traded for, but we certainly remember Ward. Uh, again, I just think the, both these lists are something either one of us can defend. The big difference is I put a lot of stock in hitting on late round picks because it's it's nearly impossible to uh, to get a good starter, uh, to, to get even a good role player in those late rounds on day three. Hitting on day three, I put a premium on that. Sure. That's that's completely fair. Yeah. Parker Anger. Parker Anger. Thank Parker you, Evan. Anger. That was going to drive me insane. Parker Blast Anger. from the past, right? Yeah. Good trade. Very good trade. One of the best trades we've made. What about Javier Arenas for uh, Anthony Sherman, baby? The old fullback trade. Don't get to see that one too often. The old sausage. Mm. What a character. No, but again, I, I, I'm very... I understand where you're coming from. I, we just have different value points. That's what it comes down to. You're, you're more enthused with the where they were drafted and have they overperformed that draft slot. I'm more, I guess, putting emphasis on if you take them away from this team, if you mm-hmm. take them away, how much does that impact this team? I think if you take Nick Bolton away from the linebacking core, I think this year might be a little different with Drew, with Drew Tranquil. But I think last year, if you took Bolton away, that linebacking core was brutal. Right? right. I think there's no denying that you take Trey Smith away from the offensive line. I love Trey Smith, but it's still gonna be damn good. You take Creed Humphrey away. You might have some issues. I mean, he's the, the anchor on the offensive line at the center position, right? Uh, you take Legereus Sneed away from the, from the cornerback room. I think for the most part over a full season, it would take a huge, huge dip. I think you got buying games here and there because the Chiefs have done such a great job developing young talent. Obviously, whatever Spags is doing now with these young guys, as far as putting them in the right spot to succeed, is working. But I, I kind of went more with a, what is their impact to their team? And you want positional value, and that's kind of the breakdown, I think. And for your criteria, you nailed it. I remember when Snead got hurt in the AFC Championship game. We had a collective uh, freakout on Twitter over this. I mean, we thought, okay, the game's over. How are we going to defend Boyd, Higgins, and Chase with a trio of rookies? That's just a nightmare scenario, but they held up. They held up. 
Uh, again, Jalen Watson held up in that game, picked off Joe Burrow. For me, it was all just about how difficult it is to find late round gems. And it, it's just something that has kind of become Brett Beach's calling card, I think, over these past, I don't know, uh, what, three drafts or so, hitting hitting on players outside of round three. Yeah. yeah. I'll and they need say- to do that. They need to do that because the amount of, of capital that's being spent on Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones alone kind of puts them in a position where they have to draft well in order well, to keep this thing going. Especially at premium positions, which I've been harping on, why it's such a important thing that Karloftis is who he is, which is a good player already. He was a good mm-hmm. player last year. A good player. Again, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but he's a good player as a rookie. And having a rookie edge guy on a rookie contract make an impact and start is massive in today's landscape. Look at what Charles Aminahu is receiving for from the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Look yeah. at that contract. Now look at look at all the other edge players and what, what the contracts are looking like. The best bargains are cornerback and edge when it comes to rookie deals. Look at what Javarius Ward got for San Francisco. Look at what Jalen Ramsey is getting. J.C. Jackson, right? Look, look, look at McDuffie. Look at, again, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Legereus needs so far on that rookie contract. Look at Karloftis, and then hopefully FAU does the same thing as Karloftis, which is about, you know, halfway through the season. He starts turning it on, six to seven, maybe eight sacks. But if you get a good value from him, again, the best bargains in the NFL. Yeah, I'd throw a wide receiver in there too. Like paying these guys cheap is just, you know, winning lottery ticket. I love Karloftis. Just Steve Spagnolo, please, please never drop him back in coverage again. I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. His family doesn't want to see that. You remember that play with Christian Kirk? Yeah. What in the world? Yeah. I have no, no clue. No clue what he was doing. And I don't think I don't think Spags did either. Yeah. Uh, take us into the next segment. Yeah, we're going to try something new here. We do that a lot, but this is going to be a lot of fun. It's called Legacy Battle. And I think this is going to be a reoccurring theme periodically. And this week's is Badger versus Shark. Frank Clark versus Tyron Matthew. So I ran a poll this week asking which chief should be remembered more fondly, Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark. The results, at least to me, were very surprising. The shark got 73%. The honey badger, only 27%. So I could not wrap my head around that. Is it loyalty? Is it, uh, you know, especially because a year ago, a year and a half ago, Frank Clark was kind of kind of public enemy number one in Kansas City. He was, you know, the entire fan base was was furious at him, right? Dude, he went from loved to hated back to loved. His his storyline in Kansas City has been a wild roller coaster of emotions. It has. And I don't totally understand it. I guess, you know, I think some of it is he was willing to come back on less money, play a supporting role uh, next to Chris Jones. And I think just the mic'd up stuff with him. He, he's terrific on those interviews with James Palmer and, and on the sideline when he says stuff like, this ain't what they wanted. You know what I mean? Like, he, he is, he, he's charismatic. I'll give him that. And the contract, we have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt because he wasn't going to receive that. It's either you're cut or you're taking less money to stay here. Right. And the market wasn't looking good for a dude with bubble guts. So he was kind of between a rock and a hard place. So he took less money, uh, kind of forced his hand. But in the grand scheme of things, I do think that made him look better in the eyes of Chiefs fans. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of nebulous, right, his health situation. But at this point, we all know he is struggling with some stuff, that he is not he's not totally been the same person he was when he was a younger, totally healthy Frank Clark in Seattle. So that's part of the equation, too. But I think a lot of it is just one thing. Playoff Frank, that perception, I would say almost a myth. And I'm, I'm going to try to expose that. Uh, he does have a penchant for coming up clutch. I will give him that. But sacks, like we often say, are a bit of a counting stat that 
are kind of affected by a lot of other variables. Coverage, supporting cast. You know, the guys that play next to Aaron Donald, they get a lot of sacks too because they play again, they play next to one of the best players in the league who's always drawing doubles. That's what Chris Jones does for Frank Clark. Also, play calling on both sides. So what I wanted to do here was to look at Frank Clark's pass rush win rate from the playoffs to get a better feel for his down-to-down play. So in 2019, that number was 13.7%, barely above Terrell Suggs. And he was never, I'll just say this up up front, he was never first in this metric. Uh, A lot of times it's Chris Jones, which is impressive considering he's playing inside. 2020, 11%. Basically the same as Turk Wharton. 2021, 10.6%. Considerably below Melvin Ingram. Now, playing more snaps, but still. 2022, similar situation, 11%, considerably below Carlos Dunlap. Again, the snap difference. Uh, And and that's one thing to think about um, with Frank Clark coming back. Would he benefit, if we did bring him back, by cutting his snaps way down and making him a designated pass rusher? Because, I mean, there is something undeniable about him, like this Robert Ory thing. When the game hangs in the balance, he just finds a way to make a big play. I, I can't, I can't argue against that. We've all seen it. We all know it's a thing. When you look at his regular season statistics, which I'm going to be, I'm going to uh, be warm to Frank and not get into the regular season because it looks a lot worse. But I don't know how he does it. But he comes up big time and time again. So. Yeah. Really, the only thing I'll say in defense of Frank Clark, which is a weird thing for me to say, uh, he was good against the run. There's no denying that. He set the edge extremely well, even at what was it last year, 255 pounds. Um, so he doesn't have the counting stats, and he was paid to be a counting stats kind of guy. He was paid to be a double-digit sack dude. But I, I also would be remiss if I didn't at least say – he was solid against the run. If he does come back, I'm almost in the opposite boat. I almost don't want him as a designated pass rusher. I'm sitting here saying, you play first and second downs. Let someone else could get after the quarterback because you can't. That's not what you've been good at. In the playoffs, different story. As far as playoffs, game on the line, throw his ass in there. Let him get after the quarterback then. He smells blood in the water. Okay. But regular season, first and second down only. That's what I'm in for. But we're in agreement that with his health situation, he would benefit from less snaps. I mean, that suspension he served last year, I think was, was kind of one of the best things that could have happened to him because he came back fresher. Um, now, if you look at leadership, I don't know who you give the nod there. I know Frank is adored in that locker room. He, I always go back to, the line, the quote he had about Derrick Henry, how they weren't scared about Derrick Henry, how they were going to bring it. And everyone thought across the uh, the NFL media scape that that was just the stupidest thing you could say. But I think what he did in that game, in that uh, uh, AFC championship game, was he showed his defense, we're not going to be soft anymore. You guys were soft last year. You guys were soft. That's what kept Mahomes and the offense from going to the uh, – going to the Super Bowl, and we don't do that shit anymore. And I think it made a difference. He, he And you made a good point about stopping the run. He came right out in that game, was part of stuffing Derrick Henry. So I don't want to lose that. But I also think the Honey Badger, man, he was the heart and soul of that defense. I think he was the guy who provided the most leadership, who totally changed the culture along with Steve Spagnuolo. I don't want to take, you know, minimize Frank Clark's role in that. But I think... Tyron Matthew is much closer to being a true superstar player. And when you look at the salaries, I'm just going to go ahead to that and then go through some numbers for the Honey Badger. Frank made $85.2 million in four years if you include his cap hit from 2023. $7 million something this year that they had to kick forward. Tyron made $42 million in three. So that's $17.7 million per versus $14 million per. So a big part of this to me is who lived up to their contract. And I, I, think, I think the Honey Badger definitely did. 
And I don't think you can say Frank Clark did. Now, I need to prove that Tyron did beyond just the leadership that we that that's kind of like an intangible thing. He was a turnover machine. Mm. 13 interceptions, four fumble recoveries, was all over the p- place, pass breakups. Uh, and his coverage, his coverage was very good. In 2019, he was elite. His PFF grade was 81.6. He's pretty good in the other the other years too, not as good. And this despite, this is an important part, part an uh, important designation. He averaged 220, uh, 202 coverage snaps in the slot during his tenure as a safety. That's really rare versatility. You talked about Sneed being that, that queen chess piece. Well, who was that before Sneed was that queen chess piece? It was Tyron Matthew. I'll say this. I'm not arguing who the better player is. It's Tyron Matthew. Tyron yeah. Matthews is the better player. There's, there's no arguing that. It's the legacy. Who's getting the coffee? Coffee's for closers. It's Frank Clark. That's th- Think about in 20 years. It, we're talking legacy now. Look back in 20 years. Who was going to be remembered more? Frank Clark or Tyron Matthew? It's going to be Frank Clark. You know it is. I'm not saying that, that that he was the better player. He wasn't. Tyron Matthew was the better player. He was the heart and soul. He changed. He was part of the overhaul of that defense. Yeah. I am not disagreeing with that. Again, if I, in a nutshell, if I can say, hey, I'll have uh, Tyron Matthew, if I could have Frank Clark, I'm probably going to take Tyron Matthew. I think he's the better player, at least. He, he was great last year again, too. Uh, you know, had some bad moments bad as, against the run. He, he was he was bad as he, Tyron Matthew was bad his third year here in Kansas City. He was phenomenal the first not, two, not, but not he in left coverage. A, not in coverage. He was he was horrendous against the run. I'll give you that. He, he he left a bad taste in in folks' mouth with how he left compared to his first two years in Kansas City, and he also went after them on Twitter. He didn't make a lot of uh, I mean, he made a lot of enemies you know here. I get who, it. Hey, who gives a fuck, guys? Who gives a fuck? Log Fine. off, touch the grass. Though. You like, know what makes sense though. If it's it's the same thing with Tony Gonzalez. Why he's not remembered by every single Chiefs fan as the legend he is. That bugs me too. It, it bugs me too, but you think it's not going to, it doesn't play know, a factor. It, it, it's a business it though. A it's, a, it's a business. And the fact with Tyron Matthews, he wanted to come back. The chiefs didn't want him. They went with Justin Reed. Now, was that the best decision? Time will tell, but he wanted to be here. He was very upset about it. He talked about uh, negotiating a contract that entire last year. I think he was disgruntled. I think he felt uh, underappreciated and I, you know, I don't think getting into it with fans on Twitter is is smart for you know for a player, but it, it it's blown out of proportion. I just think he's the much better player. We should remember. But we're not talking about the question. wasn't who's the better player. The question was who is going to be remembered more fondly. And again, I, I will tell you, in twenty years, it's going to be the dude who's top three all time in playoff sacks. When yeah. you run back those videos, when you run back the, the hype videos before the game, you're going to see more Frank Clark than, than Tyron Matthew up there. You're going to see Frank Clark closing the game. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, depending how he finishes in New Orleans, though, Tyron Matthew has a chance to make the haul. Frank has no chance, zero chance, not even the slimmest of slim chances. He's not going to do it, never going to happen. So for me... I think this is another argument like our last one where it comes down to criteria. I just want to reward the guy who I think was the better leader, the better player, the better citizen off the field. I mean, that matters to me. Frank Clark embarrassed this franchise. He definitely did. There's no, I mean, I'm not going to underplay that. You know, he got caught with an Uzi in his, in his Lamborghini, man. I got to push back on angry, drunken German's comment very quickly. He said, you don't see a safety close games very often. Tell that to Dan Sorensen. Or, <laughs> or, you know, tell that to, uh, to Ed Reed, right? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Positional value, all that stuff. But again, I'm not talking about better best. I, you, you've swayed me there. I, I it wasn't even swaying to begin with right. Tyron Matthew, his two years, the first two years in Kansas City, he was the best safety in the NFL. He was part of the regime change. He was part of the implementation going from one of the worst defenses in the NFL to at least a middle-of-the-pack one. Way more than Frank Clark was. 100%. Not disagreeing. Frank Clark's contract was abysmal. But if we're talking legacy, 
And you're talking 10, 20 years from now, who will be remembered more? It's going to be Frank Clark. I think there's a strong argument that Tyron Matthew is the greatest free agent acquisition in the history of the franchise. I think there's an argument for putting him in the ring of honor. I really, Mm -hmm. I really do. And I just hope, I think it doesn't really bug me that Frank Clark won this poll. I think what bugs me is the comments and the 73%, the 27%. It does get on my nerves that Tony Gonzalez isn't embraced because he gave everything to the city and they just didn't put him in a good enough situation to win. That is not his fault, not his fault at all. Uh, I remember him super fondly, one of my favorite athletes of, of all time. And I'm hoping when the dust settles here in three or four years, we'll, we'll get over the Twitter stuff. We'll get over the, the few bad tackles he missed in his last year. And remember the guy who came here, changed the softest defense I've ever seen to one that could win a Super Bowl. And it, it's just one of, the, one of the greatest nicknames we've ever seen. Just a, a phenomenal character. Uh, they both are phenomenal characters. And I think that's why this battle has been so fun. Yeah. Again, I love Honey Badger. I'm not taking anything away from him. Phenomenal player. Uh, I hated the Twitter stuff he did. But again, that's that's his own business, not mine. Uh, end of the day, he was influential and very important in bringing the Chiefs a Super Bowl. Uh, I will remember him fondly, just how I remember Frank Clark fondly, just how I remember every single player who had an impact fondly for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Um, Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's my opinion. If I'm going legacy, I think it's Frank Clark, but I love both these dudes. They were both important in bringing rings to Kansas City. Yeah, and I'm probably about as low as it gets on on Frank Clark. Um, he's Robert Ory, you know. That's what he is. He makes big plays. That matters, and and not much else. You know what I mean? Derek, but Derek Fisher, point four seconds, baby. Yeah, Julian Edelman made a career of being better in the postseason than he was in the uh, the regular season. So, um, I get it. I get it. He's the one that stuck around. I, <laughs> You know, I think he kind of tried to play hardball a little bit maybe though and and eventually just saw that that was his value. It wasn't Tyron's fault he wasn't back last year. I I just hope fans remember that he wanted to be here. It's not like he he said, you know, screw Kansas City or anything like that. And he was right about his value. A pretty good franchise gave him the contract he sought. So keep all those things in consideration, I suppose. Uh, Before we get out of here, just want to get everyone a heads up. The Arrowhead Addict merch store is now live, and you can visit right now by clicking the link in the description below. Uh, We've got everything from shirts to hoodies to baby onesies and even a sweet pint glass to drink your KC beer from. Uh, By the way, don't give your baby the pint glass, but, you know, uh, get him the onesie. Give the baby the onesie and get yourself said pint glass. But if you want to do it, go there in the description below. And if you're listening right now, we have a promo code. We use code PM15, a.k.a. the initials for Patrick Mahomes. PM15. You get 15% off of your order today. And make sure you use it now because that code expires by Sunday. So if you want to rep the podcast, keep us going. Come on, please. Keep us going. Keep us going. Come on. Let's party. If you want to party too and have a sweet pint glass, coffee mug, baby onesie, and more, description below. I want to give Richard a little credit for that, uh, the legacy battle uh, graphic he had. Have you ever, like, look on YouTube sometimes and and check out these battles of, like, who would win between a shark and an alligator or a, a, you know, a grizzly bear and a silverback gorilla? I've oh. gotten lost in, in so many of those rabbit holes. Um, probably an alligator. Because an alligator can just go off of on land. A shark can't. Depends where the battle is fought. If, if, it, if it was fought in sand, it would be, or, or in, in like the, the swamps, it would be a pretty quick fight. But if it was uh, fought deep in the ocean, I think it'd be a pretty quick fight too. Oh. What Let's about a, a, a grizzly bear versus a silverback? No, we're getting out of here. I just saw uh, four people in the chat talking about Brilliant Croyle. At that point, that means we got to wrap it up, baby. Yeah, yeah. You don't want them going to, to Palco and, and Thigpen. I mean, 
Uh, that's not good for your mental health, guys. Kyle so. Orton, come on, baby. No, Big no, game no. Orton. Big well, wellness game check. We're not, Orton. We're not going there. We're not going there. Um, all right, guys. Another fun edition of uh, Wacky Wednesday. And we will see you next week. Until then, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.